Well, good morning, church. If you would open with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and I I know some of us have been traveling, been sick, and so we are in a series called Feed Your Faith, and really the subtitle is And Starve Your Fears. Feed Your Faith and Starve Your Fears. Hebrews 11 is known as the, the, the Hall of Faith, right? The Hall of Faith, really the to, to see the hall of fame of those that have gone before us and are marked by, have a legacy of living by faith. And we looked at uh, a few so far. We talked about what faith is, what it is not. Uh, we, we took a, a look at a few men that were marked by uh, living by, by faith. We had Cain and Abel. We had that situation. Well, who was revealed to be walking by Faith, Abel, his worship was accepted. He lived by faith. We talked about Enoch, who for hundreds of years walked with God. He didn't even die. He was just taken up. We talked about Noah, who even though he never saw a single drop fall from the sky, he had never seen a lake, a river, an ocean. Uh, There wasn't even a cloud that he could point to. And over 120 years of obedience, building the ark. Everybody say, that's faith. That, that's faith right there. That's faith. And, and we also were able to, to kick off uh, last week looking at the, the man of faith, the man of faith, Abraham. And Abraham really marked as the, uh, the, the man that even to this day you talk to uh, any practicing Jew and they would say that he's the father of their faith. He's the one that started this all. And as believers, as Christians, we would also look back and say our legacy, right, we were brought into the family of God, starting off with Abraham uh, being a blessing to the nations. How? Because God blessed him like crazy and guaranteed that through his line, right, through his lineage, that hope would come. And the man of faith, man of faith, well, we're going to continue on on that note, and we're going to be looking at, uh, we looked at Abraham, who comes next? Isaac, and then here's some Bible trivia, right? Jacob, all right? Anybody that refers to the the great fathers of the faith, they would say, uh, we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, we looked at Abraham, so by God's grace, we're going to get through a lot of history today looking at Isaac and Jacob. It would take hours and hours to recall uh, this whole story because we'd have to cover the majority of the book of Genesis. We're going to get some snapshots, all right? I'm going to give you the cliff notes today. But in order for you to be tracking with me, uh, you need to be able to have an outline. So if you don't have an outline, go ahead and shoot your hands up. I know these boys over here, they need an outline. They probably need pens. Do you need some markers, crayons, colored pencils? You already got yours? You already prepared? That is incredible. All right, for the rest of us, then we, we better be ready to take, take some notes. If you have your Bible open, Hebrews 11, you have your notes open, and we're going to take a look at at least two main points today as we think about as we think about this concept I, I want us to hone in into this if we are going to live by faith we are going to live out our faith here's one thing that faith does this is what we're going to learn from from Isaac and from Jacob is faith isn't just good for me faith isn't something that you hoard faith isn't just that you think of yourself and you hope that you have enough faith and that you want to grow in your faith, what we're going to learn is 
our heritage as God's people has always been about having a faith that intentionally blesses others. So what do you do with your faith? Well, of course, you live by faith. You live with confidence and trust in God. But is it, is it just for you? And I hope at the end of our time today, you would say the goal, right, the expectation of our faith is that it would start with us, but it wouldn't stop with us, that our faith would overflow. And the whole point of Abraham, as we looked at last week, of him being blessed and him being a man of faith is that he would take that faith that God gave him, that he would grow it and that he would bless generations. He wasn't thinking just about him finishing his race. He was thinking about hundreds and thousands of generations after him running the race and finishing strong. So we're going to take a look at faith that blesses. It's a lifestyle of faith and it blesses others. Here we go. So we're going to be looking at just two verses. I was going to try to push it to three and I was like, easy, easy. So we were going to, we were going to be here for about an hour and a half if we were going to add that extra verse because there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot here, all right? Here, here's a big idea. We are going to see that, that Isaac, along with Jacob, that they did something that was a little bit unique and I think we've lost along the way. And we don't want to confuse what is happening here, but as we look at verse 20, okay, this is where we're going to kick off. I want to read it first and then I want to give the overarching kind of push of where we're going today. Verse 20, Hebrews 11, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Okay, we don't want to get confused about he did what he invoked is that like, like like he's casting spells is that i don't know what comes to your mind but it's the idea of god blesses those to bless others right and isaac knew that he had a heritage from his father abraham and that he was looking at his lineage he was looking down the line and he looked at jacob and esau and he knew apart from everything that they learned from him and how they watched his life this is one thing that was heavy on his heart is that he wanted to bless them. He wanted to speak a blessing over them. And that wasn't just a, a cute little nice little prayer. In the presence of God, before God, I am going to lay my hands on my kids and I'm going to pray for generations to be blessed. And I think this is something that we have lost. And I believe that it's not mystical, it's not weird. But I, I think as if you are a, a mom or a dad, a, a grandparent of faith, an aunt and uncle, I think there's power and us saying, I don't want my faith just to be mine. I want it to continue for generations, and I'm going to speak it out, and I want to lay hands on, and there's nothing special about uh, what I say or how I say it, but there is a confidence that, God, you want me to have my legacy continued, not in ways that I think is pretty exciting and things that I'm excited about to be passed on, but, God, may you have your way in every generation to come. And we see Isaac here laying a, a foundation for Jacob and Esau. And uh, really over these two points is, if you're going to invoke a faith blessing, if you're going to bless the next generations by faith, and you should, if you're going to do that to the next generations, then you must look beyond your needs in your lifetime. And I think this is something that we have a, a problem with. We look after our needs pretty instinctively, pretty impulsively. We're always thinking about how can I be blessed and, and, and what do I want my life to look like and are my hopes and dreams coming true and, and is this the way that I thought I was going to start my life? Is this how I thought midlife was going to be? Is this how I thought my last years of my life were going to be lived? We think about ourselves all 
the time. True? True? We're always thinking about our needs, our wants, our desires. And do you know what's powerful? Do you know what faith does? When faith rises up in God's people, something powerful happens where God frees us from that to be able to have a vision and to see my life is not about me. This is about generations. This is about me seeing God do things that I'm not going to be able to see in this lifetime. I'm going to hear about it when I get to heaven. I'm going to hear awesome things that, that happened, things that God did in my family's lives and my, my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. But what do we need to do? Something needs to shift. We need to look beyond our own needs in our own lifetime. We need to be thinking about generations that aren't even here yet. And here we go. If we're going to know a little bit more about Isaac and how he got to this place of blessing Jacob and Esau, we got to back way up. If you want to track with me, Genesis 25, either if you want to write the address down or if you're a quick draw, all right, if you're handy with the, with the sword and if you want to stick a finger in Hebrews 11, you want to flip over there, right, some sword drill time and get to Genesis 25, I just want to hit some some highlights, because we, we want to see where, where did all this take place. Genesis 25, 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? Like, if this is really God's will, right? If this is from the Lord, if, if this is a blessing, what is going on? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Verse 23 of Genesis 25, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. The two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And when her days uh, to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. Maybe we should wait for baby pictures on this one, huh? Is he going to molt first? So they called his name Esau. And then verse 26, afterwards his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Okay, and then we get into a whole section on uh, Esau selling his birthright. Uh, verse 29 gets into uh, kind of this section on J when Jacob was cooking stew. He's a mama's boy. He's at home. Esau came in from the field totally exhausted. What happened next? For, for time's sake, uh, he came in just screaming and yelling about starvation and how much he had to have that stew to the point that Jacob made a deal with them and said, uh, yeah, let's make a, a trade. If you're starving, and I, I'm making some, some sweet stew here, uh, give me your birthright because the birthright went to who? The, first, the firstborn, Esau. And Jacob was a, a swindler. He was a deceiver. That's what his, his name meant, okay? And it, it, it was killer. It was killer. So he ended up giving his birthright away, impulsive as Esau was and a little dramatic, uh, that Jacob came up on top. And this entire time, what's emphasized throughout the section of Scripture is that Isaac looked to Esau, and as a, a father often would, the firstborn was the favorite, was the favorite. Like, 
He is going to get the blessing. He's going to receive the inheritance. He is going, he's my, he's my child. He is the firstborn. He is the love of my life. And he was passionate. But the entire time throughout the story, as you want to read on your own of Genesis uh, 26 and 27, what we see is Isaac's bent for his will to be done in his way, even though God was constantly intervening, saying, Jacob, Jacob, like, it's through Jacob. No, you got, you got the wrong kid. Like Isaac or uh, Esau is mine. Isaac would continually push his will. And so if you're taking notes, I just jotted down as I, as I was thinking about Genesis 26 and 27, that faith surrenders your will to God's will. Faith surrenders your will to God's will. And we just see Isaiah, or excuse me, Isaac bent on this. He was passionate about seeing his will be done. Like, this is the way things are done. This is the tradition. And Esau is my boy. And as chapter 27 starts, just want to read a little section here. When Isaac was, was old, so we're getting to the point where uh, we have this blessing, right? We're getting closer to the blessing. He's getting older. His eyes were dim. Either he was blind or he just, he just couldn't see well. Uh, and he called Esau, right, the older son, called him to himself, my son, and he, he answered, here I am. He said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow. I love this. I'm about to die. Grab your hunting gear and go out to the field and hunt game for me. I just love this. Like, dad, dad, you're, you're on your deathbed. You, you think this is it? What, what do you want? Give me a steak, right? Like, Really? Really? Okay, so it's easy to make judgment calls, right, as we're reading scripture of like, what were they thinking, right? Like, what were they trying to go after? You have Isaac, his last, last wish, right? I need food. I need meat. And so here, verse 4 of uh, Genesis 27, prepare for me delicious food such as I love. Bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may, be, uh, may bless you before I die. So do a little trade. I'll bless you if you give me my, my juicy T-bone before I pass. Verse uh, 5. Now, Rebecca was listening. Rebecca's always listening. Always listening. And when Isaac spoke to his son Esau, so when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game. Prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord. Uh, before the Lord, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, here's the plan, son. All right. Do you, do you know where Jacob got it? He, Jacob got it from from Mama. All right. So you see the 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 two are in cahoots here. And what are they going to do? Do what I tell you to do. And and I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a place where you're kind of seeing like this seems to be where God is leading and this is kind of God's will for my life. And I'm not sure that this really lines up with kind of my plans and my way. And I wonder if any of us have ever been guilty of how can I strategize? How can I calculate to like, I don't want to do anything like sinful or wrong, but maybe I could help God out because I'm not sure I think God started well, and then he took a turn. I think it was a wrong turn. I just, I can't sit back and be lazy and just kind of wait on God. I wonder if I took it in my own hands and 
kind of made a few decisions, and I know none of us are, are guilty of that, right? We just perfectly wait on God's timing, God's ways. Well, we have Rebecca here. I see how this is playing out, and I, I don't know what God's doing, but I think what God meant to do was to have Jacob receive the blessing. So maybe if we could kind of manipulate this. Good idea, bad idea. Yeah, not, not so good, not so good. So what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Clearly, God needed Rebecca's help, and Rebecca steps in, and they plan and strategize. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Instead of surrendering, instead of bending the knee, here's what happens. Verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau's brother, came in from the hunting, preparing this delicious food, brought it to his father, and he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. Verse 32, his father Isaac, <laughs> who are you? I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it that hunted the game, brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, and I have already blessed him. And then he paused. Yes, and he shall be blessed. He went from perplexed to a little bit angry to all of a sudden realizing what had just happened. Do you know what Isaac realized? Isaac realized that he had been duped, but that it was according to God's sovereignty. Do you believe that even, even people's plans and manipulations and wrong motives, do you believe that, that God's able to overcome that and, and steer, steer things for good? Well, we see it right here. This is like Jesus Messiah, right? What's going to happen? Going, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? It's got to be going to be through Jacob, but like if Jacob doesn't get the blessing, and uh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? If it's supposed to be through Isaac, the only son of Abraham, that the blessing and that the Messiah comes, then, then how can I obey God and kill my son? Well, Abraham, by faith, raising up the knife to provide the sacrifice and obey God, here we have another situation of how is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? Well, do you know what Isaac realized? I envision, like, who was in here before? I just, got, I, just, I just got messed with. I was lied to and deceived. And then his last statement, like the light bulb goes on, right? And all of a sudden, it dawns on him, and he was blessed. And what do you think Esau was thinking? You blessed the wrong person, but God gave grace to Isaac to at least see no, I think I blessed the person who was supposed to receive it, no matter what their motives were, no matter what happened. And I don't know if, if you have looked back at your life and thought, how can God overcome some decisions I've made or me stepping out of line or what happens to those years that I wasn't following the Lord and I, I wasn't committed to obedience to him? And do you believe that God is bigger than your mess ups, than, than your mischief, than your deception? I don't know about you. I am so grateful looking back that God's greater, God's greater, God's greater, going, why did it have to be so hard? Why did, why did I have to stray so much? Why did I not know things that I felt like I needed to know? Why, did, why was I treated that way? Why was I raised that way? Why did I make those decisions? Why do I feel stuck and trapped here? Do you believe that God is greater than even your biggest mistakes? We see through history, this is always true. God is greater, but here's what he's calling us Faith surrenders your will to God's will. And we see here that Isaac was like, yes, he shall be blessed. It wasn't even part of my plan. It wasn't my will, but he will be blessed. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Faith has present confidence 
in unfulfilled promises. Faith has present confidence in unfulfilled promises. We looked at verse 13 just a a few weeks back of Hebrews 11. These all died in faith. Who is he talking about? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, from a distance, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Look beyond your needs in your lifetime and consider what if God desires to use me to impact those in this lifetime of fulfilling what I may never see fulfilled? Am I okay with that? Am I okay with what if my entire life was preparation for generations that someday, someday when I'm gone, the fruit that didn't grow on my trees is going to grow on their trees. The labor and the sacrifice and the walking with the Lord and the commitment to being a prayer warrior and to invest time and energy into the next generation. And think about your family. Think about relatives. Think about those that you have proximity to. And with the time that you have left, to be able to ask the question, what if if it's not about me at all? What if it's about generations? What if I never get to see it? Well, guess what? Our entire history as God's people was one of thousands and thousands of years where the early fathers, they never saw it. They never saw it. They knew it was coming. They knew the land was coming. They knew the Messiah was coming. They knew that a kingdom was going to be built. They were never going to see it. They were exiles. They were wanderers. They were vagabonds. They had no home. And they knew that something great was coming through them, whether or not they got to experience it and see it. Everybody say that's faith. It's faith. This is the life of faith. What if it's not about me? It's confidence in unfulfilled promises. I'm not going to see it, but it's coming. But it's coming. Here we go. Number two, if you're going to invoke a faith blessing, and you should, and you should, everybody say I should, then this is what we must do. Lose the excuses. Lose the excuses. And embrace the roller coaster of your faith life. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So now we have Isaac to Jacob. It was through Jacob, right? It was through Jacob that this line to the Messiah was coming. It was going to be through Jacob. The promises were going to be fulfilled. Jacob's faith, blessing and worshiping. Blessing and worshiping. This is what we see in Jacob's life. Jacob didn't start so great. When you come out and you're given a name as a, a huckster, a, a deceiver, not a great start when your name is prophesied that your early years are going to be one that you're not going to be following God. You're going to trust in yourself and you're going to tag team with mama and make some mayhem and God's sovereignty is over all of it. But he didn't start so well, but there was a blessing on his life, through his life, and he finished better than he started. So we're going we're to cover a lot of territory in just a few minutes, okay? Genesis 28 through 50, all the way to the end of the book. Just huge overview of, of Jacob, okay? But before we do, I just want to encourage us with this. I don't know if, if anybody this morning feels like, I haven't started so well, right? As, as I look at early years, or maybe you're still in the, in the early years of your faith, and you're like, rocky start, rocky, not so good. A lot of regrets looking back. 
not a lot of momentum, not a lot of growth. As we look at Jacob, we got to be able to see it doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters by faith where God's taking you. And I don't care if you have decades left and that you have decades and decades to redeem, that you've wasted some time and you've squandered what God has given and you, you want to stop doing that. For some of us, we don't know if we have days, weeks, or months left, right? So we just don't know how long we have. But either way, it doesn't matter how you started. You don't want to finish the same way if you have a lot of regrets of your early years. And it's not too late. I love Jacob's story. By faith, Jacob, okay, he blessed the sons of Joseph. I, I love that he was able to, to look at his grandkids and say, uh, God wasn't done with me. He's not done with our family and generation. So Jacob's faith, blessing and worship, Genesis 20. 8 through 50 really walks through a lot of a lot of his life. So, so here we go. Here's the short version. He's on the run from Esau. Esau's not so happy about him stealing the birthright, okay? He's on the run. Where does he run to? There's this dude named Laban. I don't know if that sounds familiar, right? You can you can study this. Laban was his uncle, okay? So, he finds Laban, moves into Laban's really sheepfold and starts uh, taking care of uh, the farming business. He lays his eyes on a pretty hot mama. Anybody, anybody remember? You got Rachel, okay? And he's like, yep, her, want her. And Laban's like, uh, not so fast, seven years. It's going to take you a while to, to work for this one. And he said, okay, seven years comes. Wedding night, extravaganza, all right? And obviously the modesty of the day, everybody is fully covered. They don't, they don't just do the you know, lift the, lift the deal and, and kiss. Uh, we wait until we've partied and drank and celebrated, and then nighttime, that, that's when all that happens. Well, it's a little scary when you are J uh, Jacob because you are going to wake up and you are going to be looking in the eyes of uh, cow eyes. Literally, that's Leah's name. So anybody that's named Leah, it's a good name. It just means cow eyes. So, so there's a reason for that, like, girl, I didn't sign up for you, and uh, we got a problem, okay? All of a sudden, he's got a wife that he doesn't want. Laban says, no problem. Seven more years, 14 years of labor and service. I, I bet the second seven couldn't come fast enough, and finally, he has his wife. Well, this is just the beginning of his problems because now he's got two wives. That's double trouble, and from there, he, he gets alone. As they are moving, he gets alone out in the wilderness a little bit. And if anybody remembers uh, the story Genesis 32, he identifies that he is in the presence of an angel. We believe that angel, capital A, angel, would be a Christophany. A Christophany is a big fancy word to mean the manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament. And Jesus actually showed up a few times in the Old Testament. You can do your theology lessons on your own, but a Christophany. So they believe that this angel was God himself, Jesus himself, wrestling. They wrestled together. Did they do that for a little while? No, they did it all night long until the morning. He was wrestling over, bless me. There's a blessing that is coming to me. I want it. Ask me if I understand all the details and understand why this all took place. It's kind of a confusing deal, all right? Why you're wrestling with, with Jesus, first of all, and that he's shown up in the Old Testament, doesn't have a lot of answers. 
And second, if you are able to uh, persevere with God himself wrestling all night, it's like, I don't know how bad Jacob wanted this blessing, whatever this blessing was to him, it obviously meant a lot. And so guess what happened? He persevered uh, and he wasn't going to walk away without uh, a little bit of a dent, right? And so his hip was put out of place the rest of Jacob's life. He walked with a limp and he had he had a cane. He had his, his stick. I was going to try to find one. I don't know if anybody has any walking sticks. This probably isn't a good time to ask for preaching illustrations in the middle of the message. But next time, if, if you have any props that you think would be handy, go ahead and drop them in the front row. I'll probably use them during a message. So as, as we have him limping along the rest of his life, he didn't go into the rest of his life the same because his name was changed. Does anybody remember that? He was now going to be Israel. To go from a background of deceiver and manipulator, not starting off filled with faith, now he is going to be Israel. He is going to be the one that will have 12 sons, the 12 tribes. And so his entire life was not marked by pure comfort and awesomeness. We're talking about stumbling along, making a mess, serious family drama. And then we have Jacob wrestling until the break of day until he gets his blessing so from there joseph was his favorite son i don't know how many shows or books that you've seen of the the robe of many colors right the technicolor dream coat some of you may recall but we have the showy joseph he was lied about sold into slavery famine comes joseph is now in prison out of prison pretty soon vice president of Egypt. Uh, the famine leads the fam down to Egypt. Guess who they run into after all of these years? They run into Joseph. Guess what Joseph says? Get your butt back home. Bring the whole family, especially you have a father, right? And he's thinking, I haven't seen dad in a really long time. Bring everybody down here. And guess what? Joseph gets to see Jacob for the first time in decade. And by this point, this is pretty crazy, that Jacob is 130 years old. He's at the end of his life, but he gets to see his son before he dies. How do you think Jacob is feeling at this moment? God, I don't know what this was all about. I don't know why I had to go through all of this, but my heart is for my family. Even though I can't trust any of my, my sons, God, this doesn't stop your plan. And God, you're still on the move and so this is where we have Jacob leaning over and reunited with his family, thinking back of God's blessing, God's plan. All along, nothing could stop it. Everything attempted to stop it. I don't know what your life story has been, but as you look back, why did that crazy season and why did that crisis have to take place? And, and I thought God was for me. And, and why does it feel like at all these junctures, God has abandoned me? We have story after story. We have the lineage of the people of faith that it's not in spite of all these difficulties. It's because of the difficulty, God's sovereignty screams, right? His glory shines through it all. Nothing can stop God's purposes. Nothing can stop God's plan. And I love this, the heart to want to bless the generations Faith that starts with God is kept by God all the way through. Jacob to Israel, just the, the story of prayer and wrestling. If, if God starts something in your heart, 
even if you have to wrestle and wrestle with God by prayer, it's going to be kept by God. And we see it all throughout the New Testament. By faith, we are carried by God alone. I put some New Testament passages in that's for your future study. If you want to be able to investigate some of these verses, so helpful. Maybe one of these verses for you during the season would be one for you to meditate and memorize. And if you're taking notes, jot down, faith's future is contagious for generations. It's contagious for generations. He blesses, he finishes well, didn't start well, blesses the generations. Here we go. Genesis 48, and we'll land with this. Everybody say, land the plane. Genesis 48, 13. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand. So here are two sons, and through these sons, the blessing will be. Are you tracking? And there's a reason that they're being switched. Do you remember a certain blessing not too long ago that two sons were switched around to who gets the blessing? It seems like this is deja vu, right? Like we just talked about Jacob and Esau, and now we have Jacob about to lay a blessing, and guess what happens? Joseph's like, whoop, switching the two around. And here we go. Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph, and he said, the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Could you say that? Is that your heart? I mean, how awesome would that be? No matter where you've been, I think that, that could be a verse that you could write down. My God, my God, who has been my shepherd all my life long. Verse 16, the angel who had redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, bless the boys. And in them, let my name be carried on. The name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. He said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, I will pronounce blessings, saying, God, make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. What God starts, he is going to finish. And even with the shenanigans, even with the hard-heartedness and the selfishness and all of the opposition, what is God's heart? God's heart is for generation. And I wonder, just as we close, thinking about faith, what if our vision for our faith is so small, so selfish, and that today we could say, God, the faith that you have given me, the trust and confidence that I have in you, the relationship that we have, I refuse to allow for it to stop with me. I want to be intentional with the days that I have left, thinking about generations and speaking that kind of faith blessing over generations. And as we think about our church and we consider, what about me and what's in it for me? And what about that we would pause and go, God, where's your heart? And where's my heart? Where's my vision? And is it for generations? Am I satisfied enough with God just save one person? Instead, God save a multitude and use them and turn 
cities and states and countries upside down. God, have your way, your vision, your huge vision that's so much bigger than my little dreams, my little desires. 